Um, Adam's laptop has just lost battery. Sorry. Hello and welcome to People Politics. Today we are having a debate with the motion Do primaries and caucuses enhance US elections? So arguing for, we have Bethany and Abby from St. Edwards. Hi. And arguing against, we have Adam and Kay from People Politics. Hello. Hi. There will not be any judges um, on today's debate, but we are going to be running um, polls on the issue um, on Twitter and Instagram, at People Politics. Um, so we will start off with our opening statement from the People Politics team. Um, myself and Kate like the idea of caucuses and primaries. In fact, when we discussed this topic, we spoke about how much we would enjoy attending a, a uh, caucus. Uh, though they seem at face value like they're a fantastic way of enhancing a representative democracy, we feel like they're actually quite the opposite when you dig below the surface. Uh, they face up as a you know really quite healthy advancement, as I say. Um, but any politics student who's been through the first couple of areas of the syllabus will know exactly you know how democracy works. You know it, the direct meaning of it comes from Greece. We talk about the rule of the people or uh, demos kratos. Um, you know, and then we also compare this to you know primaries and caucuses, where we talk about the finance which is involved. You know, we're, we're talking about you know billions you know going into the primaries, and you know. Which means that if, if you're a uh, perhaps a less financially advanced uh, contender for you know being put through the uh, being put through the primaries, then you could be whittled away very easily in the early stages, which makes it very easy for the uh, super rich. And but when we see the extraordinary amount of uh, finance required for the primaries to stand a chance of not being whittled aside in the early stages, unless you're a member of the super rich like Donald Trump, you need to find yourself in the pocket of some big businesses and interest groups, which will trade campaign finances uh, for you to adopt their policies. This begs the question, is this the demos kratos that we've proudly held as an ancient tradition? Or is this a new idea of the rule of money rather than the rule of people being held as a new tradition by the super rich of America? Thank you, Adam. Uh, if we could move over to the opening statement from St. Edwards. So for our side, we're going to argue that primaries actually are significant in enhancing elections because they reflect the cultural importance of the basing of American elections within the people. But I would say that the most persuasive argument for our debate is that they allow the electorate to influence elections and then thereby they can scrutinise the public scrutinise parties as a whole. And if we could have St Edwards to ask their first question to the against team. Do you really believe that finance determines primaries considering candidates such as Bloomberg spent over a billion dollars on his campaign and yet didn't get anywhere? Surely that suggests that finance doesn't completely dominate agenda at primaries? Uh, who do you want to answer that, Kay? Do you want? Yeah, yeah, I'll answer that. In general, finance dominates the entirety of US politics, especially the primaries. Like, if you look at the two, like, Trump, billionaire, Biden, millionaire, 
like and also both of their stats on what they spent in the primaries were insane i don't think there wasn't a single person who wasn't earning above what you would call the top amount who was in the 2020 primaries like to even be considered to get past the invisible primaries it's all about finance the people that get past the invisible primaries are the people who raise the most the people who have the most who are willing to spend all of their money to get them there but to begin with they have to have the money because working class politicians are so rare like the only ones that you really come to mind are AOC and another member of the house called Randy Bryce Randy Bryce is another who would be considered a working class politician and yet those are the two that come to name and yet they're only members of the house you don't see working class politicians which is a shock because most of the people within the electorate in America would be considered the working class. What would you say about grassroots campaigners like Bernie, who was a serious contender in Democrat primaries? How does he fit into that narrative? Do you want to go? Uh, yeah, yeah, please. Um, so I think even when we look at um, other, you know, candidates which may be on the uh, more left-hand side of the spectrum and um you know potentially don't come in with as much in their you know in their bank at the start of the uh, at the start of the race you know it's but when you look at the implicit figures and how much is uh, put into their put into their account by uh, by big businesses so under that bracket i would talk about uh, perhaps um alexandria ocasio cortez who i believe her biggest donor was actually alphabet who of course owns google um, and, you know, we, we can see why, you know, I mean, she's a big, heavy campaigner and, you know, look at who's paying for her campaign. It's, it's a big business who may have, you know, their best interests at heart. Um, you know, I, I really do believe that, you know, despite the fact that, as, as you very well say, you know, you may have politicians which come into the race with not a lot in their bank account. They're being backed by businesses who've got an awful, awful lot more than, you know, most people have got in their bank account put together, you know. But is that not an American-wide issue, the focus on finance? Because I complete, I think it's really a valuable point to suggest that they're not being representative. The candidates you're getting are not potentially representative of the electorate. But the purpose of primaries, it, that's more of a fundamental flaw within American politics, the dominance of finance, rather than in primaries themselves. Because we're talking about it provides people, ordinary people, working class people to vote on candidates. And actually the fact that candidates who are of a working class can't access and be a part necessarily, or bar a few examples, um, the actual nominees, people can still be involved in the process. And I, surely that makes them valuable. You say that, yes. And I can see where you're coming from. They would be valuable. But turnout wise they're really not and they're actually quite damaging voter turnout wise like in 2016 for both the republicans and the democrats the turnout was only 29 percent whereas in the general election it was 56 however that's still incredibly low for a general election and it's even worse for the primaries so it kind of shows the more you have to take part is it really working out if people politics would like to ask a question to st edwards I would like to ask a question to do with the imbalance of power across the states with the primaries. So no state holds it the same. 
Um, so with other states, there's all different types of primaries. You've got your open primaries, your closed primaries, you've got caucuses, you've got all of this. And that creates an imbalance across the states because states with um, open primaries would have a higher advantage for participation because you would get to choose what um, primary you would like to go to, whereas others don't. How do you see this as democratic or fair for elections across the entirety of the nation? Um, I'll start and Bethany can carry on. Um, I think it's a really good point. I mean, the existence of caucuses particularly is seriously diminishing. And so that diversity element, I mean, the Iowa caucus obviously was an example of one that was not particularly effective at performing that role. Um, and so they, I think, are a breed of uh, primaries that are probably not going to be very prominent in the future. In terms of open and closed prim primaries, um, there is an issue of diversity kind of and imbalance between states. But actually, in terms of having the federal structure that America has, there is a diversity that's going to exist. Actually, the basis of federalism means that states should have the power to decide how their primaries operate. And although we could say that that means that there's an imbalance of power between the states, I think that in terms of American culture and kind of constitutional values, that is how it should be. And that should be their decision. And actually, primary reform could happen in their states if that was their decision. But it needs to adapt to the state and the culture that it's in, even if that means varying turnout, even if that means varying diversity. That is the choice of the state. And I don't think that's so much an issue with primaries, but more of kind of just the nature of federalism itself. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's just I'm happy to a point really of that it, it's really dependent on the state. So you have some states that their culture is very much more political than other states you have. And so the impact of primaries is going to be different dependent on the state. So having, say, a primary in a state that isn't particularly as political as another is going to impact the turnout. So they'd rather, it would be a range of, the state and a range of um, diversity across America because it's dependent on the the diversity and cultures across America as well. The political climates that operate within the states are going to be naturally different anyway. And so I think whether the structure reflects that or not, your turnout will be different. See, I would heavily disagree with you. It's all to do with whose primary comes first, with whose matters. So like if your primary say is on the first day of all of the primaries across the months, your decision itself will matter way more than whose is last and and you're fighting to get the better one so places will um fight for to have their primaries before others just so that they can have a say and a matter so i think i actually disagree with it being a fundamental a fundamental nature thing because everybody is still fighting for that chance to say in politics could you say that though because of the way that primaries work in terms of like delegates being selected and the importance of those, because smaller states, like I totally understand that states like Wyoming would want to have as much say as California, that's completely reasonable um, because it's at a national level, but they can move their primaries earlier in order to have a more significant say. And actually there have been occasions in which the significance of maybe just a few delegates or 
whatever has completely decided the result that's why we have a national party convention whether that works or not but um and so even if you have a diversity in terms of open closed primary you're still able to set your state up so that you can have a significant say and actually where you position yourself can mean that that you have a huge say in determining who the presidential candidate is if we could have St Edwards to ask another question to the people politics team. Do you believe that the primary support the cultural nature of US politics in allowing people to have a say in who will represent the party in elections? Um, I certainly believe at face value it does, but I think the problem is that it goes back to my initial point of uh, you know, the fact that you really got to ask yourself whether or not it, you know, it, it truly is the, you know, the representative representing you know the state or their their own personal beliefs or not or whether it's the interest of the uh, you know the pressure groups or the big businesses which are you know really funding their campaigns because to me personally the, the way that I perceive it I I think that there's certainly a lot of the time more um more financial driven ideology than there is you know personal ideology so I think it, it almost takes away from the integrity of the candidate to uh, to adequately represent the people who they're, you know, that they're literally being directly represented to represent, so it's directly um, elected to represent. Do you have an example of someone who you think is hugely swayed as a candidate by a business or corporation and that that takes away the cultural value of primaries? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to go back to my point about, um, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, I, I, I personally feel as if it's quite, um, you know, uh, it for me, it, it takes away from her integrity as a as a politician to um, really sort of drone on about how, you know, that there's businesses which aren't paying enough tax and then, you know, take offers from, uh, you know, from a big business, which, as we all know, isn't paying their tax. It's a, uh, for, for me, I, I, I really do feel as if it, it robs the integrity off of candidates. You know, and perhaps I would have greater respect for, uh, you know, a lot of, in fact, the majority of candidates had they, you know, had the integrity, which is, I wouldn't personally say actually removed by them by their own um, by their own persuasions, more by the the system by which primaries are run by. I don't know what the alternative to a primary system would be if kind of the nature and culture and of American politics is that it's the will of the people, and regardless of candidates, you you have to have them deciding within a party, which is a huge spectrum, who who's going to represent them. And so I guess we were just, what is the alternative? Like we used to have a smoke-filled room system. And so primaries are significantly better than that. So I'd like to know kind of what you believe the alternative to be if actually, if we're not going to use primaries. Uh, well, I, I would suggest rather simply uh, something like a fairly similar model to what we have in the UK. I mean, I, I believe personally that it, it really does hold the integrity of the candidate to, uh, you know, to represent by their own ideologies. I mean, I, I would understand, you know, that potentially someone might say that, you know, that they may be persuaded by what their party says. But there's, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of candidates who've run for 
uh, I think the Conservative Party at the moment is probably quite a good example of this, where we've seen uh, pro-remaining candidates who've, you know, really quite hardly gone away from the, you know, the Conservative Party status quo of being uh, pro-leaving the European Union. Um, I think that's, you know, it, it's proven itself to be quite quite useful in the UK, and I feel like you know it'd be quite a similar similar effect in in the US. I I, I feel like it would still hold the you know the, the same value of democracy. Certainly, I would like to add on to that, and like with how low the turnout, it being within party is probably going to do just as much good as it currently does anyway because with turnout being so low is it really the will of the people if only 29 percent of people show up that's still a massive chunk of 70 percent of people who don't get who who have who are registered to vote and don't take part in the primaries like is it the will of the people but it's meant to be the party faithful and it is in the uk as well so if we're talking about transferring taking the uk system if it's so great, and putting it in the US, then it is still the party faithful. It's members, people who've joined the Conservative Party, who are members, who get to decide who's in the leadership. And actually, it's in the US, the people who are voting in primaries, the reason the turnout is so low is because you've got the people who are most passionately committed, most interested, and who care the most about who is going to represent them. And the principle of primaries is that people have the option to do so. That doesn't the fact that the turnout is low doesn't mean that they're not doing their job. Just because people are not coming out to do it, it's probably because actually that 20% or whatever is the party faithful. They're the people who are invested. And actually, it's not meant for the majority. The majority is meant for the proper presidential elections. But actually, having I would prefer to have a primary system because it allows me to say... I don't actually want Boris Johnson to be leading the Conservative Party. But for example, if I wanted to vote Conservative, I would have to vote Conservative with him in mind, with no choice in the fact that he was leader. For many people in the last general election, the choice between, obviously we're voting for MPs, but the choice between having Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson as a Prime Minister was something that they, they didn't want to have to make that choice in terms of their ballot. Whereas actually, if you had that primary system in the UK, it may be a totally different race and it and it still be based on the same principle of party faithful, which is why you get low turnouts in the US. So I, I don't fully understand how taking the UK system and putting it in the US would actually make it better. I think it would make it less democratic and it would also mean that you would still have that element of the, the minority, the party faithful running it. We'll, we'll just we'll just stop that. I'm really sorry. We'll just oh, okay. have one more question. But um, these are some really great questions, guys. Like this is really interesting debate. Um, if we could have one more question from People Politics, and then we'll do closing statements. So we we found some graphs and statistics that showed that very intense primaries can lead to a massive drop in both participation, both damage towards the candidates, and also there was and also a drop in support for parties. So so like the more intense that the runoff between the candidates gets, there's a direct drop in the amount of support and votes for both candidates because of how damaging the primaries can be within a party because you've got two people who are going for the same party absolutely attacking the other. And it shows that 
that people will stop getting interested the more it gets heated and people will um, drop in support for all candidates, even the ones that are doing the best. How do you see this as a good thing within primaries? I think I can totally understand why that would be a strong argument in the short term in terms of um, voter attention versus kind of apathy. But actually, in a long term, I think that it's quite positive because, well, it's a first of all, it's an incredibly rigorous job. You need to be able to face off against opponents. That's just kind of the nature of it. But in terms of ide in terms of ideology, having, for example, uh, Joe Biden versus Bernie went at each other, you know, clashing on different things. But when Joe Biden ended up being the presidential candidate, Bernie backed him and that together is better for the party. And although I can understand that statistically people may be put off by that, in terms of the party itself, I think it benefits because you have to have really strong candidates in order to go off against each other. And equally, in the long term, you have people working together. And the fact that they were so divided, the fact they were so polarised and so battling, it promotes bipartisanship that, that I kind of with other with the other party, but also within the party itself, the idea that we can cooperate. Um, yeah, I think that you need that spectrum of ideologies and, and that adversary politics is just going to happen, but in the long term could be positive. Uh, if we don't have a response from people politics, um, we'll go to closing statements and we'll first start off with people politics. With both the primaries being significantly centred around finance, amongst the entirety of it. You can see this with both Bernie Sanders having a net worth of only of over a million. I think his net worth is eight million roughly, estimated around eight million. And with people like Biden being donated two million by companies such as Amazon. And that's an actual fact that Amazon donated two million dollars to um, the likes of Biden whereas he would he only donated 200,000 to say Trump you can see that the big people getting involved with the certain candidates is pushing them significantly up so to say so finance clearly has such an important issue along with turnout with turnout being so low what's the what's the point of holding a primary if only such a small fraction of the turnout will show up because not everybody is like say me and Adam who would love the idea of a primary because it's really political and you get to have all these great discussions but not everybody's like that especially if you're from a small town in the middle of Massachusetts who knows nothing about say the likes of what's going on national internationally even with certain political issues which are such major things amongst the primaries further to further this also um, it's such a small group of people that can even run for president within primaries because of how how much it divides the working class with the top, you know, 10% that have the money and finance to support them. So all around, it's undemocratic because it's so limiting to people. But also, there's also still such a divide state-wise also with how limiting it is state by state and how ch much it changes and how unfair it can be for states that go later. So I personally think that um, primaries are damaging to US elections for all of these reasons.
thank you very much, Kay. Um, those are some great points. Um, and if we could finally have the closing statement from then Edwards to you. Overall, despite some very persuasive arguments on the opposition side, we believe that primaries are an essential part of American politics because without them, the system starts to move away from what American politics is about, grounding politics in the power of the people, regardless of who is running, they should have a decision in a part in the decision of who is going to be leading the presidential race against in a time that politics is so polarized. We can see that in the UK, um, the wealth and uh, cultural capital is kind of a, a symptom of politics as a whole. Boris Johnson is an Etonian. Keir Starmer is a lawyer, you know, and actually that's without primaries. They don't, it's just the nature of politics and primaries are needed in the US because the UK system just does not work in terms of being democratic. It doesn't allow for any choice. And I think that the American public, regardless of turnout, want the option to be able to participate in that. And our system working there, it just doesn't fit. And in sort of an aspect of there being other issues within society, in the modern climate, finance is a massive issue and not only the, the candidates are introducing this, but within the electorate itself. So if you see with Trump and make America great again, it was a massive issue for people, especially along the Rust Belt. So primaries are effective in enhancing democracy and elections and the outcome of elections because it's promoting the people's voices and the issues that they have and the effectively the issues within society and a major one of that is finance. The strongest argument that the opposition put forward I believe was that finance dominates the whole agenda and therefore primaries shouldn't be a part of US elections anymore but I think finance is a symptom of American politics as a whole, not just the primary system. And I think without it, it would be no better off. Perfect, thank you so much. Um, that was a really great debate, um, super engaging. Me and Tom definitely um, had a great time listening to you guys. Um, and if you have a team that you'd like to support, you can come and um, vote on our um, polls on Twitter and Instagram at PeoplePolitics, and you can give us a follow while you're there. And you can also follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we'll see you next time in our next episode.